Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this day, at this time, Father God, to receive your word, Father God, from this awesome man, Father God, that you have called to this house. Father God, anoint his head to the bottom of his feet, Father God. We thank you for the word that's coming forth. Father God, let it go forth. Let it be bold. Let us receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's why we should never be ashamed to praise him 
We should never be ashamed to glorify and magnify his name because God is good. And I call him my holy and my righteous God. And I thank him for what he's done for me. And you ought to thank him too. If you ought to clap your hands because God has been good to you. You ought to just say thank you for what he's done for you. And if he never does another thing in your life, you ought to thank him for what he has done. You ought to thank him that you've reached this part in your life without having to go into a coffin or be buried somewhere. God allowed you to wake up this morning. You didn't wake up by yourself. It's only by his grace and mercy that your family is together. It's only by his grace and mercy that you've got a roof over your head. Because you've got clothes on your back. You've got a car that you drive, you're driving. It's only by his grace and mercy that he is worthy of all praise and all glory. And so let's give him some praise today. Let's thank him for what he's done. You see our God is an awesome God. Jesus in 
the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 49 through 53, where he says, I came to set fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism to receive, and how distressed I am until it is over. Do you suppose that I came to bring peace to the world? No, not peace, but division. From now on, a family of five will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Fathers will be against their sons and sons against their fathers. Mothers will be against their daughters and daughters against their mothers. Mothers-in-laws will be against their daughters-in-laws and daughter-in-laws against their mother-in-laws. Jesus himself said that. He come to divide. Thank you for bringing peace that it comes to divide. And so what I want to do today, we want to investigate, investigate these divisions. Uh, I want to talk to you today, if I can use this as a title, Causes of Divisions. Causes of Divisions. Our text will be John chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. We will look at the causes through the eyes of the Pharisees first, and then we will look at it closer to home through our own eyes. Amen. I'm going to call our uh, home rich man, our deacon assistant, and she will come at this time and read our text. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Go home. I'm sorry, no, it's John chapter 9. Oh. That's my mistake, it's John chapter 9. <laughs> 13 through 17. The Pharisees investigate the hidden. Everybody have it? Amen. Amen. Then they took to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. The day that Jesus made the mud, and cured him of his blindness was a Sabbath. The Pharisees then asked the man again how he received his sight. He told them, he put some mud on my eyes, I washed my face, and now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, the man who did this cannot be from God, for he does not obey the Sabbath law. Others, however, said, how could a man who is a sinner perform such miracles as these? And there was a division among them. So the Pharisees asked the man once more, you said he cured you of your blindness? Well, what do you say about him? He is a prophet, the man answered. Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Eternal God, our Father, we ask that you give us wisdom and insight into your scriptures today. We ask, O oh God, that you would help us to write and divide your word and that you would help us to use it to glorify and magnify your name. It is in the blessed name of Jesus that we say thank you. 
Amen. Amen. First, we want to look at the cause of division among the fair and the Pharisee's eyes. Uh, verses 13, 16a tells us, then they took to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. The day that Jesus made the mud and cured him of his blindness was a Sabbath. The Pharisee then asked the man again how he had received his sight. He told them, he put some mud on my eyes, I washed my face, and now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, the man who did this cannot be from God, for he does not obey the Sabbath law. Now the Pharisees believed in obeying God's law, and for the most part, what they said about obeying the law was right. They just didn't practice what they said about the law. Mm, my, 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 my. Mm. How many times have we read God's word and tell others about God's word, but we ourselves don't practice what God's word says? How can we tell somebody else to obey the word when we don't obey the word ourselves? My, 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 my. Look at Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, just like these other Pharisees. A member of the Sanhedrin Council, a rabbi, and one of the three richest men in the city of Jerusalem at that time. Now the difference between him and some of the other Pharisees is that he believed in the law just like the other Pharisees did. But then he spent some time with Jesus in Bible study. That's the difference. That's the difference. You have to spend some time with Jesus. And I'm not just talking about lip service. I'm talking about spending some quality time with Jesus. It makes all the difference in the world. And this Nicodemus, in other words, his dark soul had an encounter with the light of the world. You see, when we bring our darkness into Jesus and the light of the world falls on us, that darkness gets away. It moves. It gets out of dodge. You cannot come to Jesus and be the same when you leave. Because if you are, that means you never had an encounter with Jesus in the first place. You had an encounter, but it wasn't with the Jesus. It might have been with somebody else. It might have been with the evil one. It might have been anybody else, but it wasn't with Jesus. But once you stand before Jesus and the light of Jesus falls on your soul, you change. A change comes over you. It might not come instantly, but sooner or later it just comes day after day. You get stronger and stronger and stronger. And the more you read God's word and the more you pray, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. I tell you, there's nothing like being an encounter with Jesus. I'm talking about a, a real encounter. <sighs> Nicodemus can tell you that. He had an encounter with Jesus and it changed his life, even though he was a member of the Pharisee party. 
It changed his life. One of the things that caused a division between the Pharisees is those who might have had an encounter with Jesus and those who did not. Now, what does it mean to have an encounter with Jesus? Well, there are at least three encounters that people have with Jesus. There's, there's more of that, but there's at least three of them. First is the, I like to call the Nicodemus encounter. <laughs> this is one of ignorance, which we already talked about uh, with Nicodemus. That means that Nicodemus encountered Jesus, but he didn't understand. People come to Jesus, they don't understand. And, and when he left, he understood. But it comes with ignorance of Jesus, and most of the world comes with ignorance of Jesus. They don't understand who Jesus is. And the only way you can understand who Jesus is is that God opens up your heart. And he allows Jesus to enter into your heart. Then you understand who Jesus is. Then when people ask you to do something, you say, all right, I'll do it. You don't roll around and say, well, you know, I got something to do, and I got a dentist appointment, I got a doctor's appointment, and I got to do this here. No, if God is calling me to do something, whatever else I have, I can put on hold. Anything I have, because the only reason I'm walking around is because God has allowed me to walk around. And if I don't do it, he'll find somebody who will do it. You see, God just didn't bless us to sit down. Let me say it again. God didn't bless us to sit down and do nothing. God didn't bless us to come to Bible study. God didn't bless us to come to church every Sunday and sit down and do nothing. God didn't allow his spirit to come inside of us to sit down. He allowed his spirit to move us to tell somebody what he has done for us. Therefore, saving somebody else's life. Amen, somebody. And then there was the Samaritan woman's encounter with Jesus in John chapter 4, verses 15 through 28. Now, we're all familiar with that passage of scripture. She was a Samaritan. And Jesus was sitting by the well, tied out from a day's journey. And he asked her for a drink of water. And you know the story. She said, well, uh, you Jews have nothing to do with us Samaritans. How can you ask me for a drink of water? And what did Jesus tell her? If you only knew who was asking you. If you only knew who was asking you. You see, a lot of times, Jesus is trying to get through to us. And he can say the same thing. If you only knew who's knocking on the door of your heart. If you only knew, if you opened that door and you let me in. If you only knew what I could do for you in your life. If you only knew how I could raise you up out of the muck and the mire. How I could bless your whole life. If you only knew what it meant to have an encounter with me. Because I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everything moves 
when I speak. If you only knew who's calling you. If you only knew who's calling you. know, it's not your mother calling you. It's not your father calling you. It's not your relatives calling you. It's me, Jesus, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to a higher standard. I'm trying to lift you up. And so the Samaritan woman, she didn't understand none of this here. And she come to get some water. That's all she wants. She could go home and wash her clothes and wash her dishes or whatever it was. But that's all she came for. And all the other women were gone. They came early in the morning. But here she comes and she comes and she finds herself in front of Jesus. Now I ask this question. What do we do when we find ourselves in front of Jesus? What do we do? Well, he, he, he tells her, uh, as they continue to converse with, with one another, he tells us about this life-giving water. Now, she understands about this, this water, regular water, but, but life-giving water, she's never heard that before. Life, what, what is life-giving water? Jesus said, well, I, if you only knew, I would give you life-giving water. See, life is water, the water that we drink. You know, we keep going and drink. We get thirsty all the time. We go get water. I've had some water this morning. Get ready to have some more water in a little while, you know. But Jesus is talking about that life giving water. That water. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. And once the Holy Spirit enters you, enter, enter, in, into you, then that's all you need. Everything you go through, everything that counts your life, the Holy Spirit is there to take care of it. If you would only give your life to Jesus. So he's trying to get this woman, and she says, Well, give me that life giving water. And he said, Well, go call your husband. <laughs> See, you have to let you, you have to get all the garbage out of you first. You can't get life in water that you empty your garbage out. All this garbage has got to come out. It's got to come out. You got to take the baggage off you. You know, you got to take it all off so you can be purified by the Spirit. Of course, you know, she had five husbands and all of this there. And she's talking talk about my ancestors that worship on this mountain. And Jesus said, well, and it finally come down to it. To make the long story short, it comes down, she says, he tells her who he is. He says, I am he. I am Jesus. Now we know uh, uh, that this woman, that she received it because she left the water bucket. She come to get water and she left the water, but she left with life-giving water. And she left the old water there. She didn't need that no more. So you don't need the other stuff no more when you have life-giving water. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. Well, Pastor, how is that? Because when you have that life-giving water and when you start going through trials and tribulation, all you have to do is call out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, this week, uh, my wife took me out for my birthday. Went to a restaurant and I decided to go over there, wash my hands first and come out like that. So while I was eating, I realized that my ring was missing. 
I've had this ring for 18 years. And my son gave it to me when I graduated from seminary and it was very valuable to me, it was sentimental to me. And so I asked uh, one of the waiters if anybody turned in a ring. And then I started to pray. And I made up my mind, I said, I'm not going to leave here without my ring. It's just too valuable for me. I had already went in there before and I couldn't find it. And I thought that it might have went down the drain. So I decided to go back in there. And so I looked down in the drain and, you know, the bottom of the drain they had these screens. So I said, no, it couldn't go down the drain because they had the screens there or it would be sitting right there. And then I prayed some more. Then I decided to empty the trash can that was in there. I took out all the tissues that the men were washing their hands and I took them all this stool on the floor looking for my ring. <laughs> I was determined to find my ring. And there at the bottom of that trash can was my ring. Why did I say that? Because when you're determined, when the Spirit of God is on you, when you're determined, I said, I'm not going to lose this ring. This ring is mine. And I prayed to God for I said, God, help me with this ring. I've got to find that ring. And God put the wisdom in me to look in that trash can. He put the wisdom in, and there the trash can, and I found my ring. That's why I praise God. That's why I glorify Him. Not just because of the ring, but there's other things that I've asked God for. And God didn't have to give it to me, but He gave it to me. That's why I'm not ashamed to praise Him. I'm not ashamed to glorify Him. I'm not ashamed to magnify His name. Because God has been good to me. Now, I'll tell you something else. God has been good to you. God has been good to you if you'd only recognize how good God has been to you. And so this Samaritan woman, she finds Jesus at a well. She left the water. She goes back to the village, to this village of the people who didn't want to have anything to do with her because she was a woman of ill refute. They didn't want to have anything to do with her. And she says, I found Jesus. Now, all these people who didn't have anything to say to her, guess what they did? They followed her out to where Jesus was. That's why Jesus is so awesome. It's so awesome. Because once you have him, once he fills your heart, nothing should be impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. And then there's this final encounter. And this is with the man who had been cured of his blindness. Here in our sermon text, which is an encounter. This encounter is called joy and confusion. I want us to pay uh, uh, close attention to this here. But this says, the Pharisees then asked the man, Again, how he had received his sight. He was born blind. And he told them 
He put some mud on my eyes. I washed my face. And now I can see. Something as simple as that. And verse 16 tells us, some of the Pharisees said, the man who did this cannot be from God because he disobeyed the Sabbath law. This man who was blind can now see he has great joy, but he's also confused because he doesn't understand how that was done. He doesn't know how it happened. He just knows that he was blind and now he can see. He just knows that Jesus rubbed some mud on his eyes and did what, Je and, and did what Jesus told him to do, go wash his face, and now he can see. He's confused, but he's joyful. You see, it is all right to be confused sometimes when you know somebody who has all the answers. Here's the, pr here's the problem with this. Is I don't know how God called us. I don't know what, what, how, how God allowed us to be saved. I don't understand that. All I know is that we're saved. I don't know all the particulars behind it. I don't know what it is. All I know is that God loves me. All I know is that he is with me. That's all I know. I don't need to know anything else. I'm not a scholar. All I know is that God is with me. That's all I know. I don't need to know anything else. I don't even know why he did it. I don't know how he did it. All I know is that he loves me. That's all I know. I don't know no big theological words I can use to say how he called me or, or anything I did because I didn't do anything. All I know is that he loves me. How do I know that? Because I know I can feel it in my soul. I can feel it. I can go by the, the way I walk each day. I can tell when I pray to him, he answers me. All I know is God loves me. I don't know anything else. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't need to know anything else. All I need to know is that I know that God loves me. And whatever I'm going through, I don't care what it is, whatever I'm going through, that somehow, someway, he's going to get me through. And I don't know how long it's going to take. It doesn't matter how long it's going to take. All I know is that God got my back. That's all I know. I don't need to know anything else. This blind man never went to school. This blind man never went to Bible study. This blind man didn't know anything. All I know is he put some mud on my eyes and now I can see. All I know is I was born blind, but now I can see. That's all I know. Don't keep asking me how I did it. How he, I don't know how he did it. All I know is I can see. That's all I know. Read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I don't know that's all is in there. That's all I didn't. I don't know all is in there. All I know is that God loves me. That's all I know. All I can tell you is what He's done for me. That's all I can tell you. I'm not no pillar of the community. I don't have degrees, four or five degrees behind my name. I don't know that I'm the pillar of the society. I don't know what I was thinking. All I know is that God loves me. That's all I know. I'm just a simple person who God loves. I want you to understand that. You need to understand that. That God loves you.
We don't need to know why things happen in our lives, whether they are good or bad. We just need to know how to call on Jesus. That's all we need to know, how to call on Jesus and let him rub some mud on our eyes so he can blind our physical eyes and stop depending on what we see physically and then let the Holy Spirit wash the mud from our eyes so we can see spiritually. I look at my spirit, my physical eye, but that doesn't mean a whole lot. But oh, when I look at my spiritual eyes, my spiritual eyes said that my physical eyes are wrong. You might be seeing something, but it's wrong. Because my spiritual eyes tell me that Jesus is with me. And he has the power to rub some mud on my eyes. You see, there's a lot of us going around now. We're just blind. We've got mud all over our eyes. And everything we look at, we look at through our spiritual eyes. If we keep looking through our spiritual eyes, we will be defeated. But once we look through our spiritual eyes, we realize that God is with us. Oh, what joy there is. What joy. All I know is now that I can see. I once was blind, but now I can see. Now, these Pharisees who should have been glad that this man who was born blind could see again, instead, all they can say is, the man who did this cannot be from God if he does not obey the Sabbath law. You know, we have a lot of laws to obey all the time. Where you don't do this, I'm going to slap your hand. You don't do that, I'm going to slap your hand. You heard all the arguments and everything. All these theological arguments of uh, who created the earth and all this. We don't need to know all that. All we need to know is we can call on Jesus. That's all we need to know. That's all that really matters. Let us consider how Jesus feels about this situation like this. In Matthew chapter 12, the Pharisees were complaining to Jesus for letting the disciples eat some grain from the wheat field they were walking through on the Sabbath day. And Jesus answered them in verses 3 and 8 in this chapter when he said, Have you never read what David did that time when he and his men were hungry? He went to the house of God and he and his men ate the bread offered to God even though it was against the law for them to eat it. Only the priests were allowed to eat their bread. Or have you not read in the law of Moses that every Sabbath the priests in the temple actually break the Sabbath law, yet they are not guilty? I tell you that there is something here greater than the temple. The scripture says, it is kindness that I want, not animal sacrifice. If you really knew what this means, you would not condemn people who are not guilty. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, God is, is concerned about, about how we treat others and, and how, our, how kindness we have to others. God is a people person. He's a people person. How we help other people out. We're looking for some laws to follow all the time. Well, Jesus has said, I'm the law of the Sabbath. I'm the one that made the Sabbath. That's why he sent Jesus as an example for us. 
All that really matters, and I've said it over and over again, all that really matters is Jesus. It's all that really matters. Now, we, we look at, at, at this situation uh, through the eyes of the Pharisees. Let's bring it closer to home. How do we look at this situation through our own eyes? Ouch. In verses 16b and 17 of our sermon text tells us these words. Others, by others meaning those who have different opinion from those who said Jesus could not be from God because he does not obey the Sabbath law. Again, others, however, said, how could a man who is a sinner perform such miracles as these? And there was a division among them. So the Pharisees asked the man once more, you say he cured you of your blindness. Well, what do you say about him? He is a prophet, the man answered. Now again, in 16a of our text, uh, uh, our text, a group of Pharisees said, this man cannot be from God because he didn't obey the Sabbath law. And here in 16b, how another group of Pharisees said, how could a man who was a sinner perform such miracles as these? So there is a division among them. So the question is, what causes the division in our homes, in our workplaces, in our churches, and in our families, in our extended family? What causes the divisions among our friends and neighbors? And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Well, the answer lies in the answer that, that the cured man, blind man, gave to the Pharisees in verse 17. He says, so the Pharisees asked the man once more, you say he cured you of your blindness. Well, what do you say about him? He is a prophet, the man answered. Now the man called him a prophet because he only had a little bit of a spiritual light. You see, when you call Jesus a prophet, a good man, the founder of faith, Mary's child, these titles, these don't cause divisions among people. You can say those things all day long. That doesn't cause division. But when we say that we love Jesus and he is our everything, these sayings do not cause division among people either. But when we say Jesus is the son of the living God and he is God in the flesh, these things cause divisions. It all depends on what you call Jesus. What do you call him? Who is Jesus to you? You see, if Jesus is just a prophet in our homes or in our churches, then we will live in a powerless home and worship in a powerless church. Now consider this. We are not asked to understand how Jesus can be fully God and fully human at the same time, but we are asked to believe it. Which means we have to strengthen our belief system and we do this through prayer and Bible study. Yes, prayer and Bible study. But there's something else of great importance concerning this. And it's the word forgiveness. One of our greatest problems is we won't forgive. Well, 
we won't forgive. How many of us now need to forgive somebody? I charge you today, when you go home today or maybe next week, to find someone, your worst enemy, someone you haven't talked to in years, someone you have don't want to be bothered with. I dare you to get on the phone and call them and tell them you love them with the love of the Lord. Unless you forgive them, God will not forgive you. Does the scripture tell us that? Who do you need to forgive? In Luke, the 23rd chapter, in verses 34 and 43 of the criminals on the cross, one of the criminals asked Jesus, what did he say to him? Save us and save yourself. But the other criminal says, we, he doesn't deserve this. We are guilty. What he's doing, he's going through an act of forgiveness here. And then he asked Jesus, just remember me, Jesus. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. If we would only learn to forgive people, no matter who they are, if we would learn to forgive because if we look at ourselves, how God has forgiven us, all of the stuff that we have done, and you know what I'm talking about. From the time you left your mother's womb, all the sins we have committed, and yet God forgives us. How can we in right conscience come here and give glory to God and praise God when we haven't forgiven those who wronged us? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about forgiveness here. And I'll tell you what forgiveness does. Forgiveness opens up your heart. It takes all that baggage that was in there and it throws it away. And when you go in to pray, you go in to pray to God and you're just purified. You know what a purified prayer does in the presence of God? We ask God for all kinds of things sometimes, and yet we forget to forgive those who have sinned against us, who have done us wrong. God is not blind. God sees all that. Could it be? That's why God won't answer some of our prayers. Because we don't want to forgive. <sighs> Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. I challenge you today in the presence of God to forgive those who wronged you. Jesus says these words in I think it's sixth chapter, Matthew the sixth chapter, verse 14. He said, If you forgive others the wrongs they have done to you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive the wrongs that you have done. Forgiveness is one of the keys to our belief system. We don't need to hold grudges against anybody. We don't need to be mad at anybody. 
Life is too short for all that. Tell somebody that you love them. It helps purify us so we can go to God with a pure heart and no sinful baggage. And God's Spirit will strengthen our beliefs so that even though we may not understand how Jesus and God is one, we have no doubt in believing it. And our faith, having been strengthened, will help us live a life of peaceful coexistence with the Father and His Son. And although our belief may cause divisions among people, we will be resting in peace of God, which is beyond human understanding. I tell you today that we must forgive those who have wronged us. We must forgive them. We have to forgive them. Have to. Romans. And when you do, when you do, when you forgive those who have wronged you, then Romans chapter 8, 15, B, and 16 comes into play. And then you'll be able to say, Father, my Father. God's Spirit joins Himself to your Spirit to declare that we are His children. Father, my Father, forgive me. Help me to forgive those who've wronged me. It's been years since I've asked. Help me forgive them. Help me to go home today and get on the phone. And I'm not, don't text them. Don't text them or don't send a letter. Call them. Speak to them one-on-one. -on -one. Tell them that you love them and you forgive them. In the name of Jesus Christ. And when you do, the angels in heaven will be shouting and glorifying, magnifying. Father, my Father. You see, when we do that, when we do that, it opens up a world, a world of, of blessings that God has for us. Some of us have blessings that are on hold. And all it takes is an act of forgiveness of God to take the key, open the blessings, and let the blessings fall down on us. Won't you join me in doing that? Yes, I have some I have to give to. And I'm going to go get on the phone and call them. And let them know that I forgive them. I forgive them. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. I said somebody knows what I'm talking about. Let's forget about the divisions between us and whoever we, the, the, we're divided in. Let us run to them and hug them like a prodigal, like a father hugged a prodigal son and say, welcome, welcome home. Welcome home. I'm telling you the God whom we serve is a forgiving God. I said the God whom we serve is a forgiving God. I don't care what you have done. 
I don't care what you've done. Nothing is too hard for God. I don't care what kind of condition you find yourselves in. I don't care who you've done wrong to. Nothing is beyond God's forgiveness. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, somebody. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to get to heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody, anybody, keep me out of heaven. I'm not going to let anybody keep me from heaven. I'm going to forgive. If I have to forgive, I have to forgive. If I have to fall on my knees, I'm going to fall on my knees because I want to be with the Father. I want to be able to talk with the Father face to face. I want to talk with my Father. I'm telling you, church, we have to be a forgiving church. We have to forgive those who wronged us. I'm telling you, church, we have to forgive. And when we do, when we do that, then we can go and shout hallelujah and praise the Lord and glory to God. And then we can thank him for being patient with us all these years and finally bringing us into his kingdom. And then we can say hallelujah to him and thank him for allowing the blood of Jesus to allow us to get into his kingdom. Then we can be thankful for him. Even though we don't deserve it, he lifts us up. For he is our God. And so, Father, we praise you today. We glorify you today. We magnify you today. We exalt you today. Help us, oh God, to forgive those who wronged us. Help us, oh God, to call on the name of Jesus when we get in trouble. Help us, oh God, to put our, our heads on your bosom. Help us to feel your presence here today. Hallelujah to your holy name today, Father. For we come to praise you today. We come to glorify you today. We come to magnify you today. We come to lift you up today. We thank you for life. We thank you, Father, for being with us all these years that we've been through. We thank you for being by our side. And to you, and only to you, be the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. To God be the glory. 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 To the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be the glory. To God be the glory. To the God of our Savior. To Him be the glory. Oh, we thank Him, church. We thank Him for what He's done. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. To you, to you be the glory. Hallelujah to you today. Glory to you today. Hallelujah to you today. We praise your name today. We thank you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I don't know about you, but I call out to my Father who is in heaven. Father who is in heaven. Hallelujah. Father. Heavenly Father. To the sovereign to the one who receives no counsel from no one, 
but has all the answers. The one who is rich, not because you own everything and that you made everything, but because of the richness of your grace. Not because you made man in your image and your likeness, the crown of your creation, but because of richness, Father God, of your mercy. We didn't deserve it. We deserve to die. But Father, you decided that your very own son will die. So that those who absolutely deserve to die, you're going to say, I forgive them. Just because my son died. We charge ourselves each and every Sunday we come in and say the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The core and center of that prayer, Father, Help us to act on that. Help us to, to shed the pride, shed the bitterness, shed the anger. Help us to cast it upon your son where we should cast all of our cares because you empty your wrath on your son. How about, Father God, we bring our concerns to you so that we be free to say, I love you. I forgive you. Let us not keep ourselves in prison for you freed the captives. No longer in prison. Got the key to our very own selves, Father God. Help us to, to, to shake our pockets and get that key out. So that we can release forgiveness and love and infinite, infinite supply. Only because of your Holy Spirit. Help us to act on this today, Father. This. With unforgiveness, we will not see you. We will not be able to spend eternity in your presence. Help us to fulfill our end of the bargain by forgiving those as you forgive us. In the name of Jesus, amen. today. Someone needs to know Jesus Christ today. Not just know about him. 
not just knowing what he did, but securing and affirming and confirming that you have a relationship with him. First and foremost, without that ain't nothing else going on. You can go and forgive people. You can go and love people. You can go and serve people. But if you have not Christ, good job. Close but no cigar. You get all the way there to show all your works and they mean nothing. Because they were not done to his glory. Secure and confirm yourself today. Is there one? I challenge you. Don't sit here and be unsure because all of our eyes are looking. Mouths are whispering. Don't sit here and be unsure. There's hell to pay. Don't want that. There's the one. I'm not going to twist your arm anymore. I'm going to let him twist it. Second call, if you'd like to join our fellowship here at God's House of Prayer, please come sit at the front pew right here. If you'd like to join us here, is there one? All right. Since we are affirmed and confirmed, and if you're still unsure, Although tomorrow's not promised, let's pray that we rise tomorrow with another opportunity to affirm and to confirm our faith. Let us rise with benediction. Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, because only because of what you did through your son, can we be forgiven for all the things that we've done from the sin of Adam all the way to this point right here, right now. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your forgiveness and that you've given us all boldness and courage and love and power and strength, the indwelling of your Holy Spirit if we just open up our hearts and just let him in and let him have complete control. Display the mighty power of God's grace and mercy. And maybe the person that needs to hear will change themselves. Father God, we ask for your traveling mercies as we depart. And we pray that we see one another again. 